0: Hello, 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 and welcome to another This Week at Windsor. Dr. J, hello. Good evening, Arden. They haven't got rid of us yet. No, no, no. Are the complaints piling up? No,
1: no. In fact, uh, they're not. They're actually flying away. Numbers are surging.
0: Oh, that's good. Excellent news. Well, gosh, we are jam-packed. Jam-packed. So so much to talk about. So much. First up, I suppose, sad news once again. Can't believe it's happening. Tim and Hayley leaving. I know. Can you believe it? The nerve. I know. They yeah. did, she, she used to wear that chicken suit thing up the front. Who the are we going to get dancing. to do that? Not I me. Mean. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Giraffe, maybe. <laughs> you give me ideas. <laughs> so, yeah, so toughness, but we've got a farewell for them.
1: Yeah, so we're just encouraging people to come out on Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to farewell the McManuses. It's a big Sunday. We're having baptisms as well that day. So, a special morning tea for the McManuses. Baptism's Not sure if it's going to be morning or or afternoon just yet. By the time you're hearing this, we probably will have decided. So,
0: uh, yeah, just make plans. Big big Sunday for the church fam. Something amazing since I've been here at Windsor is just the sheer amount of baptisms we have. It's just one after the other. It's
1: something really special about preaching God's word and inviting people into relationship with him. And then baptism is such a vivid depiction of the change that goes on in people's lives through God's Holy Spirit not to mention Christ has asked us to do it so it's a it's a beautiful picture it's a beautiful entry point and I think people would love well I no, not would they do they love to hear the stories of how God's changed people's lives and that's what we're all about transformation so we're excited
0: and and now, by the time you hear this, perhaps old news, but little baby Matilda McGinnis was born on Tuesday. You just told me this like ten seconds yeah. ago.
1: Well, not ten seconds ago. You just told me this like two minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty so, exciting.
0: Congratulations so to Grace and Michael McGinnis, first child. First child. Exciting news. Yeah. Nothing quite like the first child. I would bet ten dollars Grace was out running the next day. <laughs> <laughs> also this week, we we submitted the grant applications to the state government for a whole ton of funding.
1: Yes, we were invited to go on to the next round, so we expressed interest a few months ago, and we were invited to the competitive round of uh, the grant for the West Invest program. So we put in two grants, one to finish off some infrastructure here on the site, which would mean completing the car part, adding solar panels, uh, water tanks, making the place, uh, adding some signage to the front, making the place environmentally friendly, reducing our uh, impact on the environment. The other one was for uh, Hawkesbury Heritage Walk and Community Garden to put that down on the the rear property, rear space of our property. So these are two things that we're excited about and we'll see if the government is keen to give us the go ahead. So there's a lot that happens on this site, including being a house of public worship. So we went out to all our user groups and constituents. I also contacted the Marana Aboriginal uh, Community Organization and they're keen to uh, consult with us as well should the application go ahead. So we're very thrilled to become more ingrained in the community. The goal as a church is not Uh, to be uh, entirely cut off from the community, but to to be who you are as a people of faith in the midst of the setting that God has put you in. And so we're not trying to hide away from the Hawkesbury. We want to be a part of the Hawkesbury, deeply ingrained in it. And we think these are two good ways to do that.
0: Now, just touching on that, people of faith in the community um, that you just mentioned there. Big news this week with in the NRL with the Pride Round coming up. You now we saw a bunch of the manly players say, you know, they were boycotting it; they weren't going to play. And, and to their credit, the club said, you know, we we understand you're sticking to your beliefs, and, and that's okay. But a big a big issue in society. Huge issue in
1: society. It's been interesting to read even today some of the reaction and the fallout to that. I think it raises a lot of questions for people. What would I bow out from? What would I abstain from on the basis of my personal convictions? I was reading one thread and somebody said, you know, it's it's just a rainbow, you know, why, why don't you just do it? Uh, if you can't do that, well, you know, you're not worth holding this view. Uh, and somebody else responded to that by saying, well, hold on, why is this view suddenly not acceptable to hold? And so it just got me thinking that, you know, we all have convictions but there is something going on in our culture today where we're losing the ability to express those convictions in a meaningful way particularly if we have the sense that those convictions are going to offend somebody and i don't believe i'm alone in this but i think that something is lost when you lose the ability to disagree in a civil manner with somebody else and so that's part of the reason we're we want to have these conversations we don't want to run from issues we want to be able to talk about them um, and rather than getting, you know, worked out and deep in the Reddit threads or the comment <laughs> threads or, you know, Facebook, social media, like, you know, where people are just sort of yelling at each other through click and clacking of keyboards. Um, how about the let's have face to face dialogue? So um, it's to me, it's been a very interesting thing to watch. Um, I obviously applaud the conviction of of those players who are willing to stand up for their r- religious conviction and say, you know, I don't think we can be a part of this. That would have been very difficult for them. Uh, obviously, you know, we're not trying to, you know, create a society where people can't participate, That uh, a society that's non-inclusive. But we have to work out a way to be inclusive, but still hold to our foundational beliefs. And I think that's a space we've yet to really explore in a helpful way as society.
0: Yeah, there seems to be an irony there in this postmodern world where you can be whoever you want to be, do whatever you want and say whatever you want, unless it goes against the status quo.
1: And who is making that status quo? That's the question. Who are the tastemakers? And I feel if that was on a graph, you know, that needle seems to have shifted a lot just to bring it back to this simple reality that God's plan for the world is Jesus. It's a person. And when people see us living out that way, that's how that transformational power is really engaged. I think that's kind of at the heart of what Paul's saying when he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God. And the gospel is simply, Jesus is king. God loves you. There's a way back to him.
0: All right, Dr. J. Well, we are going to change gears and talk food. I love food. I can tell. <laughs> no, that's a bit rude. You're doing very well for yourself. Oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> but uh, folks here at uh, WDBC may have noticed the giant Cornerstone van out in the car park for some time now. That's because the folks from Cafe Cornerstone and Cornerstone Catering, as well as Pig Out, have been borrowing our kitchen for a little while because unfortunately theirs down at Strong Nation Church um, was affected by flooding. So um, Josh Domars has joined us this evening. Hey, how you go. Pretty. It must have been really, really tough for you guys, you know, having everything shut down from the floods.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. It's, no, it's definitely been a challenging time. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of all takes out of your hands. Just um, like in the weeks leading up to it, you sort of just watching day by day as the water kept rising, sort of hoping it had stopped. But you know, I guess you got to adapt. I guess, and we've been yeah, really blessed that Jonathan and the guys here have been able to let us continue at least doing our catering out of uh, this space.
0: And how how long's the, I suppose you would call it a business or a a business slash ministry, how long has it all been running?
2: Uh, So we opened the the cafe down there at Strong Nation in uh, March 2015, so just about seven and a half years currently. The
0: February floods were the first time you guys really got hit bad?
2: Uh, So the floods that happened last year, we were really lucky. It was about five centimetres short of entering the restaurant. So we still did shut down for about two weeks because whenever we flood, our building loses power. So we were lucky then. But then the the February floods, we got the water maybe about 50 centimetres or probably 40 centimetres, sorry, in the restaurant. And then the uh, floods again in July. It was probably another 10 centimetres higher for us.
0: Okay. So are you still able to run the cafe or how does it all work now?
2: Uh, So... In that period between the two floods, we were running a bit of a pop-up sort of temporary um, style. We put our food truck in and ha- we have a little coffee cart that we sort of used for catering purposes and we had that set up outside. Getting the food truck in was a bit of work. I a, kind of had a you know helpful friend that sort of got it in with a forklift and it was a bit of a process. So when we decided to pull that out and didn't risk it for the second flood, um, just at the time it, and with the renovations getting close to starting and our presence probably slowing that down. We just made the decision not to put the food truck back in. And so we're just doing coffee at the moment, but we're about to stop that as well.
0: Okay. So coffee at the moment, but also the catering, you're still doing the catering side?
2: Yeah, so the catering is the big thing for us at the moment. Um, that's always been something that we've sort of done at the cafe um, down there, uh, just throughout our normal hours or, or after hours um, in that space. So now we've just moved that fully off site and keep doing that.
1: Now let's wind back a little bit. You said 2015, that's the time that I moved here. I remember talking to you shortly after I moved and you had such a fascinating story. Can you tell us a bit about how your cafe came into being and a bit of your journey in getting to this point with your business?
2: Yeah, sure. So I'm a qualified chef by trade. So I graduated school in 2012, um, moved into the city and just did my apprenticeship in there. I ended up moving back out back home sort of towards the end of my apprenticeship and I was sort of working with a friend who opened up his own restaurant. And um, so then it sort of started coming back to Strong Nation Church as I was living uh, locally again. And yeah, just sort of got talking with um, just sort of people that were in the know and they'd sort of put in, I guess a bit of a, just a, a coffee sort of shop, wouldn't call it a cafe. And yeah, just then got, kind of learnt, yeah, a bit about Rick's, what his, what his plan for the space was and then just sort of, um, yeah, we then discussing with them sort of had the opportunity to sort of give it a cracking, try and try and develop something like it was a bit of a like a bit, not a risk as such, like they were really generous in trying to get that space started, but there was definitely nothing around that area. So it was a real slog for the first sort of 12 months, I guess, as we started to yeah, really try and develop a presence there.
1: Now you didn't say it right, but you would consider yourself a Christian, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a bit about how being a Christian and running a business, Impacts maybe the way you do some decisions. I don't know if people quite understand the complexity sometimes, but in what ways would you say your faith impacts how you run your business? Does it? Uh, maybe I'm assuming that, but just tell us a little bit about how your faith interacts with this venture.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, um, yeah, uh, by all, by all um, records, yeah, we're, we're um, running that from a Christian uh, perspective here with me and my Christians, and that's at the forefront of what we're trying to do. We definitely made a conscious effort though from the start that we didn't want to rely on the church basically to, to make money, I guess. Um, we really wanted to yeah, focus on the people we just call it the fence, you know, how we get people across the fence. Like that was a big, um, big uh, thing in what we were trying to do and get people in there. And from then, you, you know, you get like uh, conversation opportunities with people and you can talk about, you know, the church or what it's doing or what, what it is in that, in that space. Um, but by no means were we trying to, you know, put Bibles on every table either. So, And it's still an ongoing conversation I have with people all the time. They're sort of saying, um, you know, oh, I didn't know the cafe was there. I thought it was just for church people. So, yeah, I think it's definitely an opportunity for the church to be um, a presence throughout the community. In that sense, seven days a week and through people that probably wouldn't normally go into that building.
0: It's been a tough year so far. What's What's the plan moving forward? What's the next step?
2: Uh, the plan moving forward is we have, yeah, at the end of this week, currently, uh, we've just made the decision to close um, just per- not permanently, temporarily um, while the renovation takes place. Um, the way we're, how we're situated, that's it's a bit of a long renovation, so we don't have a set time frame, but it could be six to nine months. It's really at the moment just about focusing on the catering for us and, and you know any potential other opportunities that we may have coming up
1: what's something that people may not know about running a restaurant that you think they should know?
2: Oh, it's definitely, it's definitely a lot more hard work than sitting there drinking coffee all day. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a general, a general assumption. People think, you know, you run a cafe, you must be, you know, rich, but you know, like you know, everything's pretty crazy. There's a lot of hard work. Like there's a lot of, you know, behind the scenes stuff that you, yeah you don't get paid for. That's for sure.
1: Is there a dish on your menu that you're most proud of?
2: It actually sort of just come off the, the menu, but you know, it's one we've always sort of had on there. We just have a great relationship with some great friends that have a, have a farm in Henty and you know, we were all passionate about buying whole lambs from them and we just, they would break it down for us, but we'd use all of the lamb and we just did it, had a dish, it was just like a slow cooked lamb pasta. and It stayed on the menu for like, I don't know, six years. Like it was, yeah, it was really popular and it's it probably one of my favorites that we've ever had on there.
1: So you see Arden walking in, tell me his coffee. You do coffee all
2: day. You watch our walk in. I'm sure you size people up. Like I reckon these flat, white, extra short. Bam. Perfect. Oh, that was a good guess. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's
0: like a coffee wizard. Cool. Well, um, we've certainly enjoyed your food here at church. You've fed us on mass. I, I think, a couple of times now, and I've been to your cafe plenty of times in the past. Um, always enjoyed the stuff you guys do. You do a great job. And, um, yeah, thanks for joining us tonight.
2: Yeah, no worries at all. Appreciate you having me down. It's, it's been a pleasure.
0: Let's transition to a bit of pop culture this evening, and you have been watching The Dropout, which is based on the true story of Elizabeth Holmes, who started uh, Theranos. Yeah, I don't know if it's called The Dropout. It might just be Dropout, um, which is
1: an interesting play on words, given the Theranos technology that they were talking as one drop of blood, and you can do all these amazing tests. Not sure that I'd recommend it <laughs> uh there's there's a lot of a lot of language in there, but something about a true story, things based on a true story oh I always find compelling. One of the things that stuck with me, and I would have loved to ask Josh about this when he was here the temptation to create this duplicity between what's actually going on in your business and what you want the public to know. I don't know if you found that in radio, but there's often how the sausage is made and what you're serving on the plate <laughs> and uh, to keep it with the restaurant theme. And that show was fascinating to me just to see how long she could keep the lie up yeah. and to look at all the forces at play in that. It was somewhat scary, kind of like watching a train wreck. But if you're someone who's fascinated by the human condition and yeah. the things people do to cope with their deceit, it's a very interesting study
0: yeah because as far as the press was concerned the media was concerned the, the world in general she was going to be the next steve jobs like this was the next big thing oh she was
1: huge and some people have even gone on to say that she intentionally modified her voice she speaks very deep and she idolized steve jobs and so she tried to look like him and mo- and model some of his robotic speech patterns and It was fascinating to see just, you know, how many people she got on her board, massive companies, these, these, you know, Walgreens and CVS and these, these huge companies that were marketing a product in some cases, installing a product that didn't even work. And that's what eventually led to her downfall is when people's lives became affected, you know, people getting tested, um, being told that they had cancer or they didn't have cancer or people you know, getting blood test results that recommended one treatment when it would have actually threatened, you know, a pregnancy. That's the sort of thing that led to the downfall. It's recognizing in myself, wow, this is what I'm doing. When I lie, I'm actually disassociating myself from reality. And if I continue in that lie, that has, terrible effects on who I am as a person and I thought how fascinating when you think about the way God talks about his wayward people when they stray he says you forgot you forgot me you forgot who you were and it's amazing to see what our idols can cause us to do
0: as we disassociate ourselves from the truth we recently saw and watched another great series on uh, Disney Plus called under the banner of heaven about the Mormon Church also based on a true story about a, um, a horrific murder, I think back in the 70s or 80s sometime, um, and the it's in, set in Salt Lake City in Utah, and just how much the church and their belief system was wrapped up in, in the circumstances and what had happened, and how the interesting thing for me to see was that how we tend to turn Turn back to law, and we t- tend to turn back to punishment and that kind of thing, rather than freedom and grace, when we're f- when we're faced with with a tough situation, when when someone confronts us, when our belief systems are may-, may be challenged. We revert back to religiosity and and, and law and, and that kind of thing. And it's re- it's really interesting. Again, a true story and, and a fairly hor- fairly horrific circumstances, but a really interesting look at the Mormon church.
1: I confess I've been intrigued by that, but I haven't had the stomach yet to watch it. <laughs> but what you said to me, talk to me it's sort of a shadow spirituality. It's a shadow spirituality in the sense that it looks like faith, but what's often behind that, shadow or pseudo spirituality is a need for control and when i have to encounter reality that's greater than than my boxes of the categories that i live in i will often respond by reinforcing with more rigor the rules the regulations and and often then use those arbitrary or predetermined boundaries to exclude something from my view of the world and exclude something from my view of reality or put it in a box that I can then understand and the scary thing is that's not really faith
0: yeah for me i find when when jesus is talking about the narrow door for me that's not jesus versus other religions that's grace versus all the laws that came before that that's how i that's how i see it and and from the outset, you could look at Mormonism and Christianity, and they look really similar. And it, it's they've got all these wonderful promises. They had all these wonderful prophecies back in the past and all this amazing stuff that's due to happen. And they get so close. And you can get so close. But still, that narrow door of grace and salvation through Christ is the only way you're going to get there. Preach it, brother. Martin Luther would be proud. <laughs> no, I, I
1: don't say that in a flippant way. I think... There is something in our human nature that loves to be in control and loves to justify and loves to prove. If you haven't been coming to our evening services recently, you've missed out on some great teaching on the prodigal son, on the reality of grace and the need to accept the Father's love and forgiveness through Christ versus trying to establish your own way.
0: Well, Well, interesting night. We
1: covered a whole bunch of stuff. We did. I feel like we could keep going, but for the sake of those listening, we should probably stop.
0: (laughs) Cool. Well, thanks for joining us once again. We had a whole ton of fun. It was great to have Josh come along and join us this evening. Hope you enjoyed listening in, and we will do it all again next week. Dr. J, thanks once again.
1: Thank you, Arden. Have a great week. Be safe.